Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Hemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Jolene Jane. And here's a bit about Jolene. She's a grassroots stop Asian hate advocate, culture explorer, and a social media reporter who specializes in introducing people to Asian American concerns. She recently created the Empowered Asians Facebook group to encourage Asians to speak up and to Asian Allies Group to amplify Asian voices. In the corporate setting, her diversity, equity, and inclusion program is called Aren't Asians All Alike? She explains the business case and financial reasons for appearing as well as appealing to Asians and the benefits of being inclusive because we all need to look at DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion, plus Encompass B, which is belonging, and the other E, equality, for us all to come together and work together to push the narrative forward. DE&I is not just a check the box, it's really to ensure that people are being seen as well as heard. And without further ado, I want to welcome Jolene Jang to GEMS Podcast. And the crowd goes wild. Well, thank you. And yes, belonging. That is something I forget to talk about. And that is so important because I'm so concerned about, you know, people being attacked and stabbed that I forget about the whole belonging piece. I mean, that's so, so far in the future. But yes, that is important. So Jolene, before we dive into the Stop Asian Hate, I want you to give us a little insight into your background because you do a lot in the corporate space. You do a bit in the Asian American space. And then you also have other things that you're working on. But all of the things that you work on is what makes you unique and what makes you personable because you're able to see things from various vantage points. Yes. Processing. Yes. Got it. Genesis. I work on several things. And right now my focus is stop Asian hate and to educate people on Asian American cultures, because people, if you don't know any, even if you know any, it's not like Asians are like talk, sharing their culture, because the idea is to blend in, to blend in being as American as possible. So even if you know a couple of Asians, it's not like you'll be learning necessarily. Before I dove into the Asian cultures, because it is so necessary. I talk about innovation, usually at tech companies. I'm in Seattle. So there's a lot of nerds and geeks and getting them to think differently. Let's say like at Amazon, they're a bunch of 20 and 30, maybe pushing 40 or an old person and you're hipsters. And so you have skinny jeans and beards. And if you would like to come up with new ideas for a new product or new market, and everybody looks like you and lives in the same apartment and goes to the same gym because it's all in one, how do you get diversity out of that? So I talk about innovation. Yes, through a diversity lens, but diversity in, in many ways, not just race. That's normally what I talk about. But now it is really focused on um, stop Asian hate because that's what's needed right now. And my ability to adapt is, is good. 
Genesis is good. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that you talked about your professional side of the background. And I also like that you talked about the fact that diversity isn't just about race. There's other layers whenever diversity is included. And now you're really focusing on stop Asian hate. So talk about your background. How did you grow up, um, Jolene? And what really set off your momentum for the stop Asian hate movement and for you starting your Facebook group as well as as your other projects that you are a part of, what was it like for you growing up as a child and et cetera? Walk us through that journey. I think what, what comes up when I hear you with that, that question, it comes justice. That's what comes up for me. I had a very easy life growing up, two-parent family. Um, I live in a white community. Yeah, I was the only, I was just thinking about it today. I was, I was the only Japanese kid. There were a few Asians here and there, but I was also extroverted and an athlete and uh, you know, good student. So I didn't have any problems. I'm one of the very few. And if you, not that you'll be able to talk to a bunch of Asians, but I would say most Asians in America were teased and it is traumatic for most of them. So that's why many of them don't say anything because they don't want to be, they're triggered by this and don't want to say anything. I was not triggered because I, I had a really easy uh, life and I'm not because I was popular, but I was confident and was not picked on horrendously like most people. And the idea of fighting for justice was always the thing. And my dad, who's Chinese and Swedish growing up in a very white community, he's 81 now, you know, he was fighting a lot, either defending other people or himself. And so it was always fighting, like defending. He would not, he was an aggressive person, but if somebody's going to try and beat you up, what are you going to do? And so I had this idea of justice. And so there's, I'm thinking back and in seventh grade, I had a petition to get my band teacher fired. He was okay to me, but he was mean and he'd humiliate people in front. He's an adult humiliating kids in front of other kids where everybody laughs at them. And I just think that's wrong. And I tried to get a petition and get him fired. Um, And then there was another occasion, um, my senior year in tennis. I was the number one tennis player and I, I'm playing with all these rich players at these other schools. And I didn't, I'm not a club player. I'm a scrapper. I don't look good. I just win. And, and so you need to play with people who are better than you. So I play with my dad and some on the guys team and the coach didn't like that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to lose against these other people. So I'm like, I quit. If I can't practice, what am I going to do? And so there is that, that fight gene. And with Stop Asian Hate, I thought that I would be really well positioned, Genesis. I mean, really well positioned because I grew up in a white community. All my, you know, most of my friends are white. I'm a professional speaker. So I have this whole network of National Speakers Association. They should hear me talk about this and go like, oh my goodness, I did not know that that is important. And we care about Jolene and Jolene, the fun specialist, who's always really fun and bubbly. Wow, she's upset. Well, that must mean something. Maybe we should listen to her. So that's what my thought process was. I was incorrect on that. And I started Asian Allies because my friend network was not, was silent. My liberal out there in the streets, Black Lives Matter, Pride Day, there's zero, almost no, no care on that. And so I started Asian Allies because I needed to gain people who do care about Asians and, and other people that they will actually speak up and take a listen and then the Empowered Asians group, I saw that um, Asians, I, I joined all these Asian American groups to learn what they're talking about with 13,000 Asians, 12,000, 6,000 to hear what they're saying. And, you know, their white friends are not there for them. And like, oh, what's a big deal? 
you know, I don't see it and, and all this. And, and so there was this need to at least connect with Asian strangers because their best friends are not there. So those are the two groups because there was such a need and I'm a fighter. So that's, somebody's got to do it. It's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's super satisfying because I don't know how much of a difference I'm making. People are still being stabbed and shot. Actually, they're shot more days. I just posted up three murders for the last couple of weeks. So I think you just have to keep trying. And, you know, my heart goes out to the Asian American community because I have some really great friends of mine who are Asian American. They're Vietnamese, which I know it's Japanese, um, different from you being Japanese and your father being Chinese, Swedish, because each Asian culture is different. And I have another good friend of mine who is Indonesian and each culture goes through something different. But the fact that you say you have a friend from the Asian community, but you don't speak up whenever you see that something is going wrong within their community, are you ashamed or are you not speaking up because you don't want the whiplash or the backlash that comes with it? But I feel like if you really love that person, like you say you do, you will speak up for them because that is what is going to move the needle forward and get the momentum going. And I love these friends of mine, just like families, like they used to be our old old next door neighbors and we grew up with them over the years up until, you know, they moved out of the neighborhood and we moved out of the neighborhood and we're still very good friends. Like all of them came out and, you know, supported me and my family when my father passed away last year. And, you know, sometimes people just look because they're like, who are those people? And, you know, I feel like ignorance is bliss. And I feel like within the Asian American community, they go through microaggressions similar to the black community. And with me being first generation American, I was raised differently because my parents aren't American. My parents are foreigners. My dad was South American from Curaçao and my mom is from St. Vincent and the Grenadines, the West Indies. So everyone in my family is diverse and mixed up. So whenever I see all this crap going on within the Asian community and I see people who look like you, but they don't want to help you, I'm like, what's going on? And then I take a look into my own community. I said, there's a lot of African-American people who don't want to stand up for other African-Americans because we have colorism. So whenever you talk to different people within your community, what is the hardest thing to bridge the gap between them? And what is the easiest? So let me break this down in a couple of ways. I've wanted to do a, a, a series around this of why are people silent? Why are white people silent? Why are black people silent? Why are Asians silent? And with white people, at least so for my friends, uh, my past friends, white community it's like well I don't you know I don't know what to say and so and it's it's not my it's not my thing you know and I just don't really why do you have to watch the news and if I yeah if if I saw something being attacked I'd get right in there and so it's a lot of or it's not me you know there are people who are like well I'm I'm nice to Asians I'm not the problem and so there's all this it's not me or I don't want to feel awkward or I don't hear about it. So you're probably making a big deal about it. So there's, uh, there's a lot of fear of making the wrong, making a mistake. And in Asian allies, make a mistake. Your mistake could save somebody's life. 
And and to feel awkward, let's say in front of your your friends for like 30 seconds. Meanwhile, your your Asian friend or Asian non-friend is could be attacked. And so it's just like the the amount of effort it would take a white person is so minimal and could actually save lives. So I think that that's what we talk about in Asian allies. And I find that the the people in there are they've had something happen in their life. And so they understand whether they lived in Asia or they, they know have an Asian friend or usually an Asian friend is not enough. I mean, clearly I'm an example of that. (laughs) Not enough, but they, or they are marginalized themselves. You know, maybe they are gay. I was, I, there's a number of women who are gay and they understand or they're Jewish. So these are, some identities that already understand fighting for justice. And it's all very much the same. It's just understanding the particular issues. For Black folks, I don't know. I think it's just, uh, there's a lot going on for Black folks. And I know that Black and Asians don't know anything about each other. And particularly when you talk about first generation. So there's major conflict with first generation Asians and Black people. And and so Jada Pickett, did you see the red table? If not, this is like, it was, oh my gosh, it was black and Asian and talking about the conflict and it was ridiculous. And there were 10,000 comments at least to start and they had to remove a bunch of them because they were so hateful towards Asians. And that is a prime example of the stereotype of Asians and, and black folks where they don't know each other because maybe they're in an urban area where it's a, it's a, a uh, Vietnamese salon or Korean dry cleaner and they have black clients because that's where they could afford to have that shop. And then so there's a mo- animosity between both of them. They don't know anything about each other. And so I think when you're when you're talking about middle class, let's say middle class black folks and Asians and Asians who've been here, you know, second generation, then it's a totally new, completely different ballpark. So a lot to say about that. And then uh, Asians, why don't Asians speak up? <laughs> well, there's a point in which they will. When they when, when an Asian knows another Asian who was killed or stabbed, then they start to speak up. But it takes kind of a lot because Asians try so hard to just blend in and not be different and just like do the work, be a hard worker, heads down. And it's in definitely in East Asian cultures where you just, hey, don't make a big deal. And uh, it's Asian cultures, a lot of them are pride and shame cultures. So it's not guilt and justice and it's not being individual. No, it's be collective, do what's best for the group. And if I'm in this um, work group, the best thing is for me to just be quiet and do what the authority says I should do, regardless if I have my own thoughts. So there's a lot going on with that. And that's why I am teaching um, the DEI program, Art Asians All Alike, to share. You know, there's 48 countries and there's so many cultures and I'm fourth generation. So my, the way I roll and the way, you know, I'm more masculine and I play sports, I'm competitive. So I have this whole different thing going on. And so to be able to explain, it is very diverse. So, and how, you know, I share with like, how do we even approach that? And really it's just get to know people like Genesis, Genesis, like you're doing, get to know different stories and know everybody's different, but I give people kind of frameworks to be able to how to start learning about Asian cultures. So one thing that I want to interject with me coming from an oil and gas and energy background, because you work with people all over the world when you're in oil and gas, and I spent 12 years in that industry, is start with an icebreaker whenever you meet someone for the first time 
find something where you guys could come together based on the similarity versus something that you're different because we all have similarities. And if we accentuate what is similar about us, no matter if it's our race, our culture, the food, the music that we like, then you could build outwardly because you connect on something so small and minute as maybe you like the same music or the same restaurant or whatever, then you could push the conversation forward and ask that person to tell me a little bit more about your background and et cetera. That has worked for me. I'm not sure if it will work for you, but that's something that I like to do because I am that bubbly person, that person that is not the quote unquote in the box. I do talk about topics similar like you, Jolene. I wrote a book called Chocolate Drop in Corporate America. And when people saw the book name, they're like, what is that about? And I said, you know what? It's about my story and what I went through working for a Fortune 500 oil and gas company where it's ran by the good old boys club, Caucasian men. And when you are African-American, Asian, or in a minority group, you, yes, sometimes you have a seat at the table, but they want you to be seen, but not necessarily heard. And then whenever you speak up too much, you either get labeled as aggressive, you get labeled as the B word if you're a woman, or you get labeled as something else when in actuality, don't you not have the same degrees as the other people at the table? Did you not work as hard to get involved with this company similar to other people? So why are we just seen but not being heard? So we have to break down those unconscious biases. We have to break down those layers and we have to see no matter if you're Asian American, no matter if you're an Asian ally, your voice has power and your voice can very well shape the world that you live in. It starts by you taking a small step in order to drive actions. And those actions are leaving an imprint. That imprint is making an impact and it's causing you to be the world changer that you desire to be. So never make assumptions because it makes an ass out of you and I. And if you don't understand someone that looks different than you, ask the questions. And if you don't know how to phrase the question, put a disclaimer out there and say, I may not necessarily know how you feel or what's going on in your world, but I would love to learn more so I could do better. And I may not always have the right things to say, but being silent is worse than not speaking up. In my opinion, they're equal. I am with you. Yes, that is one of my big points. Silence is violence. And in this case, it absolutely is. I'm with you. And so Jolie, I want to talk about some of the microaggressions that some Asians hear. And I'm going to call out some and let me know if you've ever heard those. Asians are bad drivers. Asians only own nail salons. They own donut shops. Oh, Asians are really good at math. Asians drive Toyotas or Lexuses. Oh, Asians, they don't know how to speak English. Asians are racist. Asians only date within their own community. Do some of those things sound familiar? And what others have you heard? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that all those are pretty common. And and again, there's, I mean, there's truth to that too. So it's not like I'm not gonna say those aren't true, you know, sometimes. <laughs> but I think one of them, like, did you bring bat for breakfast? Um, that's a common one. So, bat, you know, eating bat and dog. And I think that that's... Things like this are a big deal in the corporate place and people really don't understand how big deal is it is. So in my program, I try and do a good job of explaining why that matters and just pronouncing someone's name, just like calling them. Can I just call you Sue? 
instead of trying to figure out how to say their name. And, and also like I, Asians, a lot of us don't want to put you out. And so it's like, yeah, just call me Sue because I don't want you to feel awkward. I want you to be able to feel very comfortable. And in Japanese culture, I'm, I'm half Japanese. So it's very much, I am here to serve you. You know, it, we're, you know, Japanese culture is all about service and um, take pride in everything. So, and it's reputation. And do you feel like the culture coming from a culture that is servitude where I'm here to serve you and pride that is actually hurting the Asian culture because that is so ingrained in them. And when they migrate to America, they still have that culture so driven inside of them that whenever they get into these positions or different surroundings, they want to bow down to that man or woman versus standing up and knowing who they are, walking with confidence, having some authority and setting the precedence because I feel like sometimes our cultures and what we were grown up in and what was projected onto us can very well carry over into us for a lifelong journey. And before we realize it, we're like, oh my gosh, who am I? You don't know who you are because you're so busy listening to what other people project on you or tell you what they want you to be. It's tough because I am fourth generation Japanese American. Some of that doesn't did not quite stick to me. So <laughs> and and because because of my parents and and kind of what they went through, it's like, no, I'm I was taught to fight. And and, and the way I fight is getting legislation passed and rallying, get pulling people together and and telling stories, trying to to help them understand what it's like. But I also understand, hey, you don't know what it's like to be Asian. I can try and give you scenarios, but you still can't. When that Asian grandma, you know, is stabbed or just shot, you know, this this 71-year-old Asian guy was walking the other day and he was shot, I believe it was 10 times. It's like, you know, Genesis, you or, or a white person, you can't picture your grandpa or your dad. Because it doesn't look like your dad, you know, and and also with there's such a lack of representation of Asians. So every Asian that is harmed is like, oh my gosh, that's like my my dad, my my cousin. That we rarely see any Asians on screen ever. So it's like each one is like, oh, you know, why did they just kill? them, you know, it, and so it's, it's hard. So another question for you, Jolene, what type of tips would you like to impart to the listeners and viewers to help them rise up, to speak up more about their story? If they are an Asian American or for the allies listening, what can they do to do better with the stop Asian hate movement? Yeah. For Asians, it's very difficult because I, ha- I don't have the trauma associated with being teased and and hurt and harm. So I don't have that trauma. So I can't relate. But for those who can step up, I mean, people are being hurt. And when they say, oh, I asked my friend how she was. She's Asian. She said, fine, no problem. That's what I hear a lot. No, I asked my friend. They're fine. And it's like, like they're going to tell you. So you know, let's and- pause there really quick, Jolene, because you mentioned, I asked my friend and she said, she's fine. No problem. But what did you ask your friend? Did you ask your friend a surface level question or did you really go deep diving with that friend of yours? Because if you ask a surface level question, that is not going to drive an answer that could be heartfelt or pull on your heartstrings, then maybe you didn't ask a deep enough question. Because sometimes we just ask surface levels questions just to get a pass by because we don't want to engage in the hard conversation. 
And that's not really helping your friend, nor is it helping you. So sometimes you have to analyze your friend and pay attention to body language, pay attention to demeanors and see it has anything changed from how they normally act and behave. And if that, if you do notice a change, that's an inclination that something could be going on internally, externally, whether it's at work, home or wherever. So you have to really pay attention to that because Oftentimes people have a smile on their face, but they're crying out internally. And we never take the time to really analyze that individual. So I just wanted to interject that. Triple yes to that. Also, do you, what kind of trust do you have? And if, if you're asking, so do you feel, are you scared about the Asian attacks or anything? You know, are you in an elevator at the time? Who's around? Do you really want to know? Do you want, are you in a position like in this space where you could hear a couple hours and crying and going through childhood when uh, the person pulled back their eyes and said ching chong and like, and how they were whatever. And so it's like, do you really care? And do you, how much care do you care? Are you going to listen? Are you a safe place, safe space? So I have found out that I, I'm not in safe spaces. So I have a whole new slew of, of friends. So my, my friends were the silence people. I, I think there was three who reached out, um, but they're like, why are you so angry? You know, why, why is it's like, well, if, you know, why shouldn't I be angry? Asians are being stabbed for walking. Like, and so trying to understand, and it's just dripping with white fragility. And I don't, I'd rather have three friends than a network of people who are not going to be there for me. I mean, if I'm walking on the street street and I'm attacked or I'm raped or whatever, I don't think people are going to be there for me. I don't. I've seen over and over again, Asians being attacked and, and people watching. And to see my network, I'm very online. And to see my network be silent for the last 275 days, 275 days I've been in this fight, that says to me, not my problem, I don't see it. So I don't really know. So that's very frustrating. So the silence piece is tough and do talk to your friends, but no, they may not say anything. I'm not going to say they're lying, but they're probably lying to you um, and don't feel comfortable because they've been shut down before. We have to get back to humanity and put the human instinct back into humanity because Jolene and I both look different, but we can both compliment each other because we are women. We are, you know, I'm first generation American. She's fourth generation American. And there's other similarities that we have. So whenever you see that someone is getting gunned down, killed, rape or going through something that is hard, think about you in that situation or think about the fact that it could be a family member, a friend or whatever. And at the end of the day, if you strip off how we look internally, we all have the same organs and we all bleed red if each one of us gets cut. So why the hell are we allowing our differences to overrule us and keep our mouths closed? It's time for us to wake up and be a part of the collective community here on earth so we could push the needle forward and we could get back to humanity. It's time for us to rise up, speak up and open our mouth and say hell no to the injustice and hell yes to the justice because it starts by all of us. You may not know exactly what to say, but by you saying something, it could very well catapult the future. 
because the younger generation and the children that are growing up today are our future. And we cannot continue to allow them to see hate, angry, injustice, and et cetera, because what is that going to do? That's only going to keep repeating the cycle. And we're not trying to regress. We're trying to progress in society. And I'd rather have progression over perfection because all of us are a WIP, work in progress. None of us are perfect, but we could start by changing our perspectives, our mindsets, asking questions and partnering with people who don't necessarily look like us so we can understand, so we can have personal and professional growth and we can start to peel back the onion layers and no longer sit at a surface level. Sitting at a surface level, following the bandwagon and being a carbon copy is not cutting it nowadays. We need cutting edge individuals who aren't afraid to stand up. So what if you get backlash? Some of the most incredible, brilliant people did not always take the path travel. They took the path of least resistance. And where are they today? They're now in history books because they did something that was outside of the course. And Jolene, as we wind down, I want you to leave the listeners and viewers with one or two gems. And remember the core pillars of GEMS podcast is to educate, inspire, and motivate. And we all drop gems on a daily basis. Well, there's a couple examples that came to light is when you talked about the youth and the future generations. I've done several interviews with 16 to 18 year old Asians from the East Coast and hearing the uh, the food discrimination and all what they go through and the lasting effects and knowing that they are now, they want to be talking to the younger youth, the kindergartners, et cetera, and, and how to move forward. So that is inspiring. Sesame Street, which is so controversial now because they introduced their first Asian American character ever. And it is a Korean character and I watched it and cried. It was just, it was incredible. And I think everyone to see that. And this is the courage that it takes to be a show and a big show that actually is talking about Asian Americans and they are getting flack for that. Ted Cruz and Matt Schlapp want to shut it down. So, but that is inspiring. And I want to let people know, make a mistake. It's all the people who are silent and tiptoeing around like, oh, I don't know what to say. So I want to be polite. So I didn't say anything. So that is, it silence is violence. And I take that very seriously. And, and so make a mistake. There's a lot of learning on my website, Jolene Jang. I have a lot of modules. You can learn about the model minority myth. You can learn about the different legislation. There's all these things you can learn for free. So, and you will find it is fascinating. And Asian Barbie, I mean, there's, it's fascinating. It's not always positive, but I think that you, uh, the listeners will gain a lot from it. So thank you. Thank you, Genesis. My pleasure, Jolene. And how can the listeners and viewers connect with you on social media and plug your website again? Jolene Jang, like the song, um, Dolly Parton song and Jang, J-A-N-G.com. I have a lot of content in there, a lot of articles and podcasts. And on YouTube, I have a number of videos there too. Instagram, I'm getting there. Not totally. And just on my Facebook page, Jolene Jang, just my personal wall, I post everything public. I don't care anymore. It's like, you know, I'm getting older and I just want to speak my mind because otherwise, you know... (laughs) With, you know, you got to speak your mind. I, I appreciate people with backbones. I'll tell you that. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp. 
I just had the pleasure of interviewing Jolene Jane, and we talked about the Stop Asian Hate Movement, Asian Allies, Empowering the Asian Community, and so many things that you can do to take a stand today to really promote justice within the Asian community. You know, I also wanted to say that there is a space on my website that says take action. So there are small things you can do to take 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes, all these small, tiny little actions, which is a big deal. And to also, so you can see for yourself, I have created a timeline of attacks. And so you can see that there's attack every day and you can see it with your own eyes. And so when people say, oh, it's not happening, you know, you can verify by yourself. And there you have it. Jolene came back and plugged us with some evidence so you can take actions today to secure a better future for tomorrow. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on our YouTube channel, Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. And remember, your voice does have power And you can be the voice for the voiceless, but it starts by you being bold, courageous, and just embodying who you were created to be. Run with a passion and fuel your purpose so you don't get left behind and your dreams don't end up in the graveyard. Have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.